Amen, amen. Well, good morning. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor. You can have a seat. Thank you for being here with us today. 21 days of prayer, one of my favorite things that we do all year long here as a church. I just love to get to commit to prayer with you. It's so easy to commit to it. Just be there online, either on our on our website at live.gatherashville.org or on our social media in the mornings and pray with us. And then join us for our night of worship this Friday. And then we have another worship event coming up the last week of 21 Days of Prayer. Commit to those things and commit to pray every single day for 21 days. And I'm going to talk today all about why that's going to benefit you. Well, I want to tell you about something real quick. Uh, we are shifting some language here at the Gathering Church. I'm always trying to think of ways to make things simpler. I love stuff I don't have to explain. Think Things that I don't have to help you understand. Makes my job so much easier. And so we're shifting life groups to small groups. We're just changing the name of life groups to small groups. They're still where we want you to engage with people who you can go through life together with. It's still where we want you to build community and get to know Christ more and more and more every day. It's still where we want you to find freedom and break the chains that you came in here with. All those things are still the vision for it. We're just changing the name because small groups is simpler. And so today we are launching small group leader signups. Now it's a little bit different than in the past. Here's why. For the last couple years, uh, we have been studying the groups you sign up for. I've been paying close attention to the groups that you are interested in that pack out on the first day and the groups that, honestly, you're just, you, you say you want, but you're not signing up for. And so what we've done is curated some groups. Instead of it all being free market and everybody just lead the group you, you think of and, and come up with your own curriculum and all the work being on your end, what we want to do is provide some groups that we know you want. Some things that we know are going to help you move closer in your relationship to Jesus. We're very interested in how you're being discipled and in how you're being formed spiritually here at the Gathering Church. It's one of the most important things in the world to us. And we believe that groups are one of the best ways for you to accomplish that. In fact, we believe that our small groups are how you can accomplish two of the most important functions of the church. One is building lifelong community, making relationships that help make you more like Jesus, having people who are there for you when you mourn and people who are there for you when you celebrate. And we believe that small groups are the best way for you to start to do some deeper spiritual formation. And so with that in mind, we've got some new Bible study groups that we want you to be a part of. We've got some discipleship groups we want you to be a part of. We've got groups that are geared towards families, that are geared towards women and men. We've got some, some new groups coming your way for fall. We need you to lead them. And so today is the day for you to sign up to lead a group. We've tried to make it easier for you. We've got the curriculum. We've got the group picked out. We need you to find one that fits who you are and step into it. Now, you don't have to be perfect for this. Maybe you've just always thought, I'm not qualified. I'm not the right person. I don't have it all together. I don't have any kind of Bible degree. I'm not the smartest person in any room. Well, guess what? You're in good company, okay? I have never been the brightest crayon in the box, but I'm doing all right, and you can too. Step on in and lead a life group for us this fall so that we can do what we together as the church are here to do. And that is to lead people together around Jesus and around 
one another. We need you to lead these groups. So after service, go out there and talk to Josh and Taylor, our incredible small group coordinators here at the church, and they will give you the information that you need. We do have some spaces still. If you have a group in mind that you are already excited about leading for the fall, we still have a few free... Uh, free market life group options for you and so you can talk to Josh and Taylor about that as well but if you've always wanted to lead and never known what to lead today's your day go sign up to lead right after service let me pray and we'll get into the message Heavenly Father I thank you so much for who you are God we just dedicate this season to you this time to you the next 21 days Father we want to just get in your presence more and more we ask that your spirit's power would swell up within us that we could feel closer to you in this season and in this moment that God you'd give us the words to say when we don't know what to say that you would just be in every single part of these three weeks as we commit ourselves to you in 21 days of prayer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Well, today we're starting a brand new series called Hearing God. A brand new series called Hearing God. And in this series, I want to help you understand how better, how to access the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Uh, we're going to talk about how to pray, how to listen to the Holy Spirit, how to access his gifts and his power. We're going to talk about how to make decisions by the power of the Holy Spirit. I have a lot of meetings where people uh, are asking for guidance on how to make a decision that honors God. Big life decisions, small decisions. We're going to talk about how we do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we're just going to talk about how to hear God uh, in regard to our purpose in this life. Why are we here? Uh, so last week, we prologued this series by talking about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Had a basic pneumatology class in here last Sunday. If you missed it, I really encourage you to go online. You can find all of our messages right on the app. You can download the app. We have an incredible app. Uh, type in the Gathering Church or Gather Asheville. It should come up in the app store. And uh, you can find all of our previous messages there. That's an important prologue to this series because it introduces you to the Holy Spirit who is by whose power uh, we access God's presence in prayer. And so we talked about that. This week, what I want to talk about is very simply, very basically, how to pray. How to pray. Prayer is the most important thing that you can do as a follower of Jesus. Prayer and worship are the two things that sustain us and build the Holy Spirit's presence within us. Maybe you're in here today and you've been following Jesus for a long time and you've been praying faithfully every day for decades. Thank goodness that you're here. I hope this encourages you and eggs you on to keep going in the direction you're going. But maybe you're here today and you're either a new believer or, or you, you, you're not so sure where you stand in a relationship with Christ. And prayer has been one of the hardest parts for you. You're not really sure how to get into it, how to get started, what it looks like, uh, how, what words to say. You've got all these hesitations. I want to talk today about all those different things and try to make it a little bit simpler for you. Uh, Raelle is my wife, and Raelle and I's entire dating relationship was long distance. I mean, the entire, we started dating the moment she moved 10 hours away. It was when I got enough courage. It's a long story, but I had known her for years and had wanted to date her for years. And when she finally moved 10 hours away, I thought, okay, today's the day. I'm going to ask her. Actually, you can settle a debate for us here today. Uh, I, I, when she moved away, I told her, I said, I'm crazy about you, have been for a long time. Uh, I've got, you know, I'm just, 
I've got a lot of feelings for you. And she said, yes, so do I. And in my mind, that was the moment we started dating, right? She says it was six months later. So I'm telling all my friends, I'm telling my mom, I've got a girlfriend, she's awesome. And Raelle is out there just thinking, yeah, there's this guy I'm kind of talking to. Until in December, I said to her, I said, are we dating? And she said, no. And I said, will you date me? And she said, sure. So our timelines are very different on how long we've been together. <laughs> well, anyways, we, we, were, we were long distance. She lived in eastern Tennessee, went to Lee University, and I was in eastern North Carolina in the U.S. Coast Guard. And y'all, this state is very, very long. If you drive from the Outer Banks all the way to Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's going to take you about... 10 hours. And so since we couldn't see each other every day, our relationship entirely relied on our ability to communicate with one another. We spoke on the phone every single day. Uh, Sometimes life would get busy because of this or that, and we would go a couple days without talking. And do you know what would happen? We would come back to a conversation after that, and we would come back to a series of arguments every single time. We missed each other so much that we were mad at each other. Just couldn't get it together for a little while. Why? Why? For the same reason that now, 14 years later, we still have a hard time connecting if we've gone a few days without any real conversation. How many of you know you can live in the same house and not talk to somebody for weeks? Anything other than, what are you having for breakfast? How can I help you? What do you want? Want me to get the baby? All these kinds of things are not communication. In order for a relationship to be a relationship, in order for a relationship to be healthy, there's got to be constant, healthy communication. It's the foundation of any relationship. And your relationship with God is no different. If you want to feel connected to God, you have to communicate with God. I don't know how many people I talk to uh, maybe start to deconstruct their faith or or question their faith, or they just feel far from God. I don't know what to tell you, Pastor. I just feel like I'm not connected with God. I haven't felt His presence in a very long time. Well, what's your prayer life like? Well, I don't really pray. You cannot feel connected to God if you do not communicate with God in the same way you do not feel connected to your spouse, to your girlfriend, to your boyfriend, to your, to your best friend, if you have not communicated with that person in a long time. Communication is the foundation of every relationship. And your relationship with God is no different. That's what prayer is all about. Last week, we talked about how people would walk hundreds of miles just to get close to the presence of God at the temple of God. Today, we've got access to the presence of God anywhere that we are. And it's crucial that we take advantage of that gift. So first, I want to talk about the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Prayer is worth the time and discipline required to pray because prayer is powerful. By prayer and through prayer, we get to speak to the creator of the universe. By prayer, we can do the things that he told us to do, the work that he gave us to do. Uh, By prayer, we can understand his nature. We can understand his character. We can understand what he's like more and more. By prayer, we can hear from God. And by prayer, we are heard by God. James writes about the power of prayer. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
the prayer of a righteous person is both powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced crops. James is just trying to help us understand that as followers of Jesus, we are not limited by our humanity. What we can do in this life, what we are called to do in this life, is not limited by the humanity you were born with. You have access to more, to greater power, because prayer is both powerful and effective. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. James reminds us that Elijah said, no rain, and it didn't rain. And then he said, rain, and it started raining again. And Elijah was just a person like you and I. Jesus tells us that anything we ask for in faith, God is prepared to grant it. You have power in prayer. You have the listening ear of the one who spoke everything into existence through prayer. God says in Jeremiah, to the prophet Jeremiah, call to me. And I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Prayer gives us access to information we would not otherwise have about the things that are supernatural, that are real, that are happening within your life and the lives of the people around you and in the world around you that you could not know on your own without a steady and constant life devoted to prayer. By prayer... We can receive knowledge by prayer. We can receive power by prayer. We can receive blessings by prayer. We can receive even miracles. There's so much power in a simple prayer. Now, maybe you're thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because last week, the Mega Millions lottery was at $1.3 billion. And I prayed about it. I said, hey, God. I'm going to do a lot of good things for your kingdom with 1% of that lottery money. If you would just answer this prayer. Now, listen, I bought a ticket. I bought two. And I said to God, I said, look, God, I'm, it's your servant, John Mark, here. Looking for retirement. Turned 35 recently. Getting tired. Bless me. And I bought it, you know, I was just sure I was going to win because I thought somebody's got to win, right? Might as well be me. Why wouldn't it be me? Somebody's got to win. And so I bought these tickets and I was sure I was going to win. I asked God for it and I did not win. Why? Maybe you prayed more serious prayers than that. Why? Why? If this is all true in the scriptures, why are my prayers going Unanswered. Well, when it comes to the lottery, when it comes to finance, when it comes to money, when it comes to all these other things that we ask for, it says in James chapter 4, verse 3, when you ask, you don't receive because you're asking with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I read that just right after they read those lottery numbers out on Friday. I thought, what in the world, God? I was going to buy a boat. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So what he's saying is God is not your genie. That he wants your prayers and he wants you to ask and he wants to answer and he wants to give you blessings and he wants to do these things for you. But he also wants your heart to be in the right place. 
He does want you to ask, and I know that because in the verse right before this, James 4.2, it says you don't have because you don't ask God. He wants us to ask. He wants us to communicate with him. He wants us to have access to the power that prayer grants us, but he answers our prayers according to his will because he's God and we're not. Maybe you pray prayers that were great prayers, important prayers, desperate prayers that went unanswered, and you wonder, what about these verses and all this stuff that talks about the power in prayer and that if I ask, he'll grant and he'll hear and he'll provide, and I asked and my heart was in the right place but I did not receive. And the best answer for that is that he's God and we're not. And we just don't get to know all the answers. But what's clear is that he wants us to always ask. He wants us to come before him. He wants us to pursue the power of blessing, the power of miracles. He wants us to pursue his presence. He wants us to ask, 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 seek, knock. Jesus says, ask, because we don't know the difference between what to ask for and what not to ask for. So we have to ask for everything and trust God for the outcomes. There's one more great power that comes from prayer, and that's closeness with God. And I think that's the thing that will benefit you the most throughout your life, beyond big miracles, beyond big blessings. The thing that you desperately need, whether or not you know or acknowledge that you need it, is to be close to the one who made you. He wants to be known by you. Psalm 145, 18 says, the Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. It's the simplest outcome and it's the greatest outcome of prayer because the ability to hear God comes directly out of our closeness with God. And the more you communicate with him, the more you know him. And so if a goal of yours is to be able to hear God, to know his will for your life, to know what he wants from you, to be able to study his scripture and have passages pop off the page as though they were speaking directly to you, the way that you will achieve that is the closeness to God that you have access to through daily prayer. Paul writes it out like this, Ephesians 1, 16. I've not stopped giving thanks to you. I'm remembering you in my prayers. And I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. This is where we get the vision of our church, that you may know God. We believe that God wants you to know him, that he wants to be known by you. And as you pray the way that Paul prays here, you can receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation that allows you to know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. In other words, the eyes of your heart may be opened more and more that the things that are keeping you blinded would become less and less of a distraction the closer you get to God, the more you know him, the more you pray to him, the more you seek his presence, the more you're gonna be able to see him. And the more that you can see him, the freer you're going to be in him and you're going to get to understand the hope to which he's called you. In other words, the purpose that he has for you and the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Prayer gives you the power to truly know God, which gives you the ability to find freedom, which will lead to you discovering your purpose, which will allow you to make a difference. 
We've got to make space in our life for prayer because it is necessary, it is powerful, and it is effective. So what does that look like? Number two, second thing today that we'll talk about is that prayer, I changed this and forgot to tell anybody with the slides. So sorry. That's my fault. Um, prayer doesn't have to be complicated. Prayer doesn't have to be complicated. If you struggle with prayer, I'll bet part of the reason why is that you overcomplicate it. If you believe prayer is as powerful and important as all that, I just said it, it, all, all the closeness with God, the access to blessing, the access to miracles, all those things. If you believe in that, it feels kind of like a lot of pressure to get it right, to do it right. We know that prayer is powerful and effective. We know that we've got access to the God of the universe. What are we supposed to do with that information? What could we have to say that the God of the universe needs to hear? I'm just John Mark, you know, from Somerville, South Carolina, and currently Hendersonville, North Carolina. How, how, how could I have anything important enough that the God of the universe would want to hear me? Well, I believe that anything, anything that you have to say is important enough for the God of the universe to hear. That's what his story in scripture tells us. Because God is relational and he wants a relationship with you. He doesn't need you to pontificate and ponder the meaning of life with him. He just wants to be a part of your life. He wants relationship with you. The whole narrative of the Bible points to a relational God. Last week, we talked about the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. If you read through scripture, you'll see these aspects of God interacting with one another in a very relational way. God's own nature of who he is, is relational. His most basic nature is relational. God doesn't want you to talk to him only about the things that you believe are worthy of bringing to the attention of God. He wants you to talk to him because he wants to know you. And prayer doesn't have to be complicated and long. You don't have to pray in the King James Version. Anybody out here still praying in the King James Version? That thou must might bequeath upon us the blessing of this meal. In thy name be the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If that's what connects you with the Spirit, then do it. But if you've been intimidated by that because you don't use thou and thy in your regular life, feel free not to. Feel free just to communicate uh, with the Father as though he were in the room with you. The only thing necessary is speaking your heart to the one who created your heart. See, I believe prayer is simpler than we make it out to be. Consider the prayer of the thief on the cross. It's a powerful prayer. In fact, I'd say it's one of the most powerful prayers in Scripture. And it's not very complicated. Luke 23, 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed Jesus, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, the other thief on the other side of him, on the other cross, answered, rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed, he's like, are you crazy? We're literally dying here, and you're going to make fun of the guy that says he's God? And we indeed justly, for we have received the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. In other words, we deserve to be on the cross. He doesn't. And then he says to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This thief prays nine words, and it changes the course of his eternity. 
He prays nine words, and he becomes connected with the Son of God, and he spends his eternity in paradise alongside of him. So you don't have to pray long, lengthy, well-crafted, educated prayers to be heard by God or to be known by God. Your prayers should be simple and short and sincere. The thief was desperate, and he wanted one thing. He wanted to be with Jesus, and so he just said that out loud. And the prayer was answered, as simple as that. That's what it's all about. I think we need to simplify our prayers. I think we need ritual spaces for simple prayers. In my life, I believe that ritual simplifies things. We ritualize our hygiene in the morning, and uh, usually our, pro- our process of getting ready in the morning involves ritual. Maybe you're one of those people out there that you get dressed in a different order every day, and I'm terrified of you. You scare me, <laughs> especially the successful ones of you that do that. I'm very intimidated by the way you live your life. <laughs> But most people, they brush their teeth, they get dressed, they take a shower before they do those things. They get dressed, then they take a shower, and then they have breakfast. And Most people follow a ritual in the morning, a ritual of how they get ready, a ritual of how they go by the day. Maybe when you get to the office, you have a ritual that you follow. You sit down, you log on, you check some emails, you get a cup of coffee, you say hi to Craig, you go sit back down. An hour later, you see how Craig's doing again. You know, Maybe you've got a little ritual in the office place. We have these rituals that simplify our days a little bit. Rituals, when we're not slaves to them, tend to bring us peace. They bring peace to the action that we've ritualized. I believe we need to create a ritual space for simple prayers and let your prayer time be a place of peace, not a forced moment of stress. By having the same prayer ritual every day, you have the opportunity for that to be a space you can look forward to, that you know what's coming without any surprises, not just trying to fit it in, not just, oh, I got to figure out when I'm going to do this today, or, oh, crap, I didn't do it. I'm the worst person in the history of followers. All these different things that can stress us out, we can remove by simply adding a peaceful ritual to our day for simple prayers. Jesus modeled it. Mark 1.35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. And the Gospels show it as a pattern, as a ritual for Jesus. We see it in Luke chapter 6, in Luke chapter 11, in Matthew. Even it says that he, in Luke chapter 11, it says he went out as he often did, as if to let us know that this was a normal ritual for Jesus. It was part of his routine to go alone somewhere to pray. He made a ritual space for his prayers. Sometimes, if prayer in general feels too complicated and you don't know what to say, it could help you to have a ritual prayer filled with real conversation. So ritual spaces for simple prayers and then ritual prayers filled with real conversation. Because maybe no matter how simple you make it, you've set your time aside. It's 21 days of prayer. You're going to do it at 630. You, you listen to the prayer prompt and the, the person stops talking and you just sit there and you're like, uh, dear God, Please bless these Cheerios. Amen. You don't know what to say. A ritual prayer filled with real conversation gives you a roadmap of what to say. I'll explain. It's what Jesus taught his disciples to do. Matthew chapter 6 verse 7 says, When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. 
Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. In other words, simple prayers. The thief's prayer is nine words, and it's powerful and effective. You don't have to pray for an hour and a half, three hours of prayer to feel like you've been holy enough. In fact, the Bible says don't just sit there and repeat the same thing over and over again thinking it makes you a holier person. God doesn't want that. He doesn't need your showy prayers. He doesn't need it to sound like you are a monk. He just wants relationship with you. It says this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as also we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Have you ever heard this prayer before? It's something new I'm I'm unveiling for you today. Uh, This prayer right here has been a part of Christian ritual since Jesus spoke it in the Sermon on the Mount. Since he gave it to us. It's been something that Christians have repeated as ritual over and over again. It's been an important part of our faith. But I would present it not just as a a prayer that you can rattle through, uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, that will be done on earth as in heaven. You know, it's like I see how fast I get this thing done, man. I remember I used to get a dollar for every memory verse when I was a kid. And we had to say this already in church. And so it was like the next day I went to my dad. I was like, I got one for you, dad. And I read this off and it's like six verses. And I was like, ha ha, it's money time. four verses. Uh, and so <laughs> fact check when he was out there about to fact check me. That's why I beat you to it. I would present this not only as a prayer that you can pray in ritual, but a prayer that you can follow in conversation. I pray this prayer twice a week and I really just recite it out like that because I've known it all my life. If I recite it, it doesn't mean much to me. I just go through it. So I stop and work my way through the prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let me take a moment to worship you, God, because you are worthy of my worship. And I honor you today. And I, and I, and I want to be in your presence today because I enjoy being in your presence, God. I, I worship you today because you're worthy of worship. You, you are the one who wrote all of this into being. And the story that you're writing is good. And even today when it's not great, I know it will be because you are the one writing the story. And so, Father, I honor you today. I worship you. I praise you. I look forward to every good thing that you have in store for me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, I just pray today that you would help me to do what you would have me do. Help me to live like I'm already walking in your kingdom so that I can make this place a little bit more like the place it will be once you've established your throne in this place. God, help me to to just live in your will today. I I don't want to do what I want to do all the time. I want my city, my family, to look the way you imagined it could look. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, I've got some needs. I'm asking you for provision in this area and in this area. I want to be able, I want to be able to provide here. And God, I'm just asking you for that today. Let me make my requests before you and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Father, I need to let something go I've been holding on to. This guy in this red Ford Mustang cut me off yesterday and I wanted to kill him. I made a decision about every Mustang driver I've ever met in that moment and I forgive him. And Lord, I ask that you would forgive me for the hand gestures I made immediately following. (laughs) Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, protect me from the attacks of the one who has stopped me from doing the things you've called and created me to do. Just work your way through it. 
I pray this twice a week. Sometimes it takes me two minutes to pray through it just like that. And sometimes it can take me an hour to pray through this prayer. Because it's just a great template of ritual prayer that you can pray in a way that is conversational. If you do not know how to pray, this is the best place for you to start. You can just go find this prayer. It's easy to find. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And you can just look through it. And you can pray each one of these parts of it as a conversation. And you will have jump-started your relationship with God for that day. There is an app you can download. I'm sure uh, if you've been here a while, you've heard me talk about this a lot, but it's called the Pray First app. And it's been written and designed by one of the churches in our network, the Association of Related Churches. And it has this prayer in it. It has 21 days of prayer content in it. It has all kinds of prayers like this, templates for you to follow. If you want to start praying and you've never done it, you don't know how, Best way for you to do that is to download the Pray First app and use it as a tool in the moments and pray prayers like this. There is another simple prayer that's been around for a long time that's a great map to follow called Acts. It's the one my dad taught me when I was a teenager. Acts, A-C-T-S. And you start with admiration, meaning you worship God. Then you go to confession. God, this is where I needed more of you. This is the areas of weakness I've had. This is what I've tried to hide from you. And then T, thanksgiving, show your gratitude to the one who has given you everything good. And then supplication, which means uh, it's a word we never use. It means make requests. Ask God for things. Acts. These simple little rituals uh, that allow us to have prayers that are more like conversations. I believe rituals take the pressure off prayer. My prayer life is a combination of ritual and conversation. Ritual and conversation. Seeking the presence of God shouldn't be something that we do only for 20 minutes a day. It shouldn't just be something that we keep in that first ritual. For me, it's a first part of my day ritual, and it shouldn't only exist in the first part of your day because being relational means connecting around the clock. My wife uh, is married to a really neurotic person. Y'all pray for her. Which means that I have a lot of things scheduled that I try not to let people know about. Uh, ritual is more than just about having peace for me. It is an obsession. And what I mean is I will write in like into my daily schedule 20 minutes of eye contact with Rael so she knows that I'm listening to her. And I'll do it and it'll be like 7.30 to 7.52. And she'll be like, are you on scheduled eye contact time with me right now? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? Absolutely not. This is great. This is normal. This is what normal people do, right? I don't know. Never met one. Um, <laughs> that's not enough. My scheduled 20 minutes of eye contact is enough. She also wants me to text her during the day so that she knows that when I'm at work, I'm not on another planet. She wants me to just say, hey, how are you doing? Thinking about you and then not respond to everything else she says. She wants me to check in. She wants me to, to stop while I'm cooking breakfast and say, hey, I've got this meeting today I'd like for you to be thinking about. Pray for me when I've got this today. She, want, she wants little conversation all day long because that's what relationship looks like. And your relationship with God should be the same. Uh, a great memory verse is 1 Thessalonians 5.17. You can memorize this right now. You can do this and maybe my dad will give you a dollar. <laughs> Pray continually. In the old school, pray without ceasing. Pray continually. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray continually. Just keep praying. Let it be a part of your daily rhythm and your, moment to, and your every moment of your life. In other words, think about God and speak to him often. Because the people we're in relationship with, and it's a good, strong, healthy relationship, we don't just think about them one moment a day. 
Okay? They're a part of our regular life. That's what God wants. He wants you to just check in with him. Heavenly Father, I'm about to go into this meeting, and I'm just asking for strength and courage right now. Give me the right words to say. Lord, I just want to praise you because it's a beautiful day outside and the sun feels great on my skin. Thank you. Thank you for the blessings that you give me in this life. All these kinds of little things. Uh, Speak to God often, continually, conversationally, and do it regularly. So I do that, but I also follow a routine and rituals. It's a combination of rituals and conversation for a healthy prayer life. Rituals and conversation. I have a routine of rituals that I follow every week. Uh, it, I kinda, it goes like this. I pray a prayer called the Tabernacle Prayer. You can find it in that Pray First app or one of our blue Pray First books that we have at the Step One table. And on Sunday, Monday, and Thursday, I pray the Tabernacle Prayer. On Saturday and Tuesday, I pray the Lord's Prayer. On Wednesday, I pray the prayer of Jabez. Bless me, God. It's hump day. Bless me indeed. Open. That's a Mercy Me song. You should listen to it later. Uh, I pray the Acts Prayer on Friday or whenever I'm too tired to pray the other ones. You can find all these prayers in the Pray First app in the App Store. And this is a guide for me, not the law, but most weeks it's the pattern I follow. It's rituals for simple prayers. It's an easy schedule routine for me to prioritize something that's very, very important to me. I believe that basic rituals lead to closer relationships, especially with my maker. And I believe the key to building those relationships is the same key in every relationship, and that is consistency. Number three, and it's the greatest equation of all time, consistency plus duration equals impact. I feel like you're in a sales meeting right now. Consistency plus duration equals impact. I know that prayer is a struggle for a lot of people because it feels so awkward in the beginning. Or maybe your brain spaces out and it's hard to stay focused. Or maybe it doesn't seem so important because uh, you never really get much out of it. And I get it. I've been in all those spaces before. But I haven't been in those spaces in a very long time because I pray with consistency. I pray consistently because I know that if I stop, I will struggle with all of those same things over again. Prayer is just like anything else in your life. The more you do it, the easier it is to do it. It's just like relationships with people. A lot of people don't make real lifelong friendships because it takes time and consistency. You haven't had real lifelong friendships since you were in college. Why was it easy in college? Because you had nothing else to do and these people lived next door to you. Consistency plus duration equals impact. It takes time and consistency. Every relationship feels awkward and weird in the beginning. It feels forced. It means changing your rhythms and your routines to let people in. For the introverts, it means the torture of staying up late, talking in living rooms instead of bundled up on a couch watching Netflix. It's very tough. So we don't do it. And we lose out on the blessings of those relationships. But the reality is, the more consistent you are in building relationships, the easier it is to do it. It's just like when you start dating. It's just like any of the gym is like this. I go to a, a small CrossFit gym. I've been there for two years. The first time I've used the word CrossFit in a sermon. So that's important that you know that. And I go with my friend Casey. And I don't go as often as Casey does. Casey goes every single day. Uh, I try to go four days a week. But it's usually less than that, you know. We'll call it one or two. (laughs) 
Casey has suggested a change in philosophy to help me be more consistent. See, for Casey, going to the gym is not a choice. It's just what he does. He's a person who goes to the gym at 5.30 every morning. It's the kind of person that he is. If it were a choice, he would have a hard time doing it. For me, it's a choice. I have a very hard time doing it. We should approach our prayer life the way my friend approaches the gym. It's not just, it's just, it's not a decision that we make. It's not a choice that we approach. It's just who we are and it's what we do. It's not about choosing to enter into a life of prayer. It's about choosing to be the kind of person we want to be. I want to be the kind of person that prays. Then I'll make the choice to be the kind of person that prays. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, my beloved brothers, therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, the, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's not just about the way that we work for God. It's also about the way we commune with God. Be steadfast and immovable. Let it be something that doesn't shift or change for you because you are not making the choice every day to pray. That would be hard. You are making the choice to be the kind of person who prays every single day because that's who you want to be. Keep doing it. Every day. It serves such an important purpose. And that purpose is the greatest purpose there is. All the other things that matter in this life will flow out of the prayer that you pray every single day. And the purpose of that is just to know God more and more. So the last thing is just to get started. Very simply, just like anything else, if you want to know how to pray, the answer is to start praying. Start today. Join us tomorrow morning at 6.30 for 21 days of prayer for the prompt. Look, it's online all day. You don't have to get up at 6.30. If that's not your rhythm, that's fine. But make a rhythm. Don't just squeeze it in. Create a, a clear ritual space for 21 days. Just commit to that to start. It can be, if I'm talking about commit to this for the rest of your life, that's intimidating, I know. Let's just start with 21 days. For the next 21 days, commit to being on those prayer prompts at the same time every day. Make it a ritual. Make it, make it something special. You know, prepare the space. Get a candle up in there. Candles make everything more special. Create a space for that prayer every day. Do it for the 21 days. You know, 21 days of prayer is intentional because science says it takes us three weeks to form a habit. Don't look at this as something that ends at the end of that 21 days. Look at that 21 days as your first commitment. But the goal is that it just keeps going. It carries you through until January in our next 21 days. And then August in the next 21 days. And then January in the next 21 days. And then August in the next 21 days. So that you have gone on a consistent pattern for years of being in relationship with the one who made you. I can't even describe to you what you're missing out on if you haven't got that yet. The blessings that wait for you as you commit and as you get into these conversations that become easier and easier as time, as you begin to really feel like you know God and He knows you. I, I know that for me, when I miss a day or two, man, I feel ragged. I feel thin. I feel worn out. I feel grumpy. I'm mad at everybody. And I always think to myself, there are so many people that they just don't know how much better it can be. You just don't know how good it is 
to be in a constant, consistent, real relationship with God. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. It's the maker of the universe. says, if you call on me, I'm going to listen to you. He's waiting. He's listening. He wants to hear from you. Don't get intimidated about what to say. Remember the simple prayer of the thief, nine words that changed his eternity. Remember that the Holy Spirit is with you and will help you. In fact, Romans 8, 28, 26 says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we don't, when we do not know what we ought to pray for, the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. In other words, no pressure. You don't have the words to say, God still hears you. He understands. He's reading your heart. His Holy Spirit is active throughout the whole moment of prayer. Just do it. Just get started. Be the kind of person that prays every day. And you will begin to see the dominoes fall as all of the rest of your life, every single area starts to be transformed by it. If you're here today and you've never had a relationship with God, maybe you didn't know that he could know you. Maybe you felt like you had to do all these things in order to be known by him. You had to check off these to-do lists. Maybe you grew up in an environment where that's what church felt like, a long to-do list or a book of rules. And unless you could follow the book of rules, you could never be a part of the club. I want you to know that's not the gospel of the Bible. What the Bible says is that exactly as you are, exactly who you are, he wants relationship with you, that while we were still sinners, in other words, before you ever even started to make one good decision, Christ died for you. He gave his life for you because he desperately wanted relationship with you. And so you can enter into a relationship here today exactly as you are with him that you can make better and better and better every day after that through the habit of prayer. And so if you're ready to enter into that relationship, every head bowed, every eye closed, just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for wanting me. Forgive me for all my sin. Forgive me for every mistake I've made. From this moment forward, I'm just yours. I give everything that I am to you. I want to know you. In Jesus' name, amen.